Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. Okay, my love, I have put everything that I offer for free on one page so that we are not doing more work than we have to because why would we do that? Hashtag work smarter, not harder. So livemyhappyhealth.com slash free. You are going to find everything I've created for not only leveling up in your personal life and building a life that you love, but leveling up in your business life and building a business that you love. Okay livemyhappyhealth.com slash free. Love you. Welcome to this week's episode. Um, if you are listening, which of course you are, uh, <laughs> pretty first today, smart second. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. I am so stoked that you are here. If this is your hundredth time, oh my God, welcome back. Like, hi, this is so great. If this podcast has been at all useful, or if this particular episode is at all useful for you, please consider leaving a five-star review. Um, it is tremendously helpful in getting the podcast in front of more eyes so that more eyes, more ears, whatever, more people, um, so that less people are suffering, so that people continue to realign and realign and recalibrate and recalibrate to get better, healthier, more free, more clear, more light. Um, so that's something that if if you do, oh my God, literally, thank you so much. And if you don't do, that's okay too. Uh, but please consider doing it if it has been at all helpful for you. So I just restarted this because my last mic died <laughs> like two minutes in. So here we are with a fresh new mic. Um, let's party. So this is something that I've experienced in the past before um, knowing what I know now and that my clients experience all the time and probably you've experienced and have um, people in your life who've experienced this. So Humans are the only creatures who will say we want something and then not do what it takes to get there. Um, animals don't do that, right? Animals, birds are not sitting on a branch being like, oh man, I really wish I could get myself over to that branch. Oh, well, I better I better think through the steps to do it. And oh, if I could just get myself to do X, Y, Z, like animals don't have that thought. They see, they think, want to go to branch and they fly to branch. Um Deer are not going through going, oh man, I really wish I could get myself over to the other side of the road. Oh, I hope I get myself over to the other side of the road. Like that's not what they're doing. They just have an impulse to do something and do the thing. Humans, because we're infinitely more complex than animals, even although animals are quite intelligent, we are infinitely more complex than they are, run into struggling to follow through with the things that we say we want. And in my experience, the things that I am going to go over are the most common reasons that I see people not getting what they say they want. Now, I like to say, if you want what you say you want, you don't get to be a coward about it. So we're going to go over, <laughs> we're definitely going to go over here. Don't worry. So humans have a nifty process in that because we can see 
future, we can reminisce about the past. We really kind of have two brains. So imagine subconscious slash unconscious, I will use them interchangeably, is our, I like to call it lizard brain. Um, lots of people call it lizard brain. Oh, actually, I call it gremlin brain, is our gremlin brain. So it's only interested in survival, which means a few things. So because gremlin brain is only interested in survival, if there's conflict between your conscious brain, aka what you say you want, and your unconscious, which is interested in survival, it has that's its prime directive. Survive now so we can maybe thrive later. If there's conflict between the two, subconscious always wins because survival obviously overrides everything else. So that's the first one that we're going to go over. If there is any type of unconscious conflict, and there's two types, and this is something I learned through RRT, but also Andrea Crowder puts it in a really beautiful way. There are two types of conflict with unconscious, a process conflict or a product conflict. Process meaning, you know, I really want to run a marathon, but oh my God, the training is going to be so hard. I'm going to have to run in the rain. I'm going to have to buy new shoes. I'm going to have to, you know, X, Y, Z. Process conflict. There is a conflict with the process. I really want to start a business, but it's so hard. And oh my God, I'm going to have to work so much extra and I'm going to have to sell. Oh God, I, I don't think that I'm comfortable with that. And oh, the whole thing just seems so overwhelming. Process conflict or outcome conflict. Um, once I run the marathon, I'm going to feel empty. I'm not going to know what to do. What if I get addicted to marathons? And then, then my whole life is taken by marathons or, you know, I'm going to run, but I've had this knee pain and my knee is going to hurt so much. Outcome conflict. Um, I really want to start this business and I really think it can be successful, but if I make a hundred thousand a year, a million dollars a year, then I'll lose all my friends because they think they'll think I'm a snob. And my husband will probably divorce me. My wife will probably divorce me because they're going to think X, Y, Z. Outcome or product conflict. Now, because unconscious's only directive is survive, well, that sounds pretty bad, right? That feels like a threat. So unconscious will say, eh, not doing it. Hard pass. I really want to. I want to lose weight and I want to eat better. But oh my god, it seems so hard. You mean I have to track macros and I have to follow a food plan and I have to go to the gym three times a week? But like I'm tired and I don't want to. Process conflict. Well, if I lose all this weight, my husband, my wife will leave me because suddenly I'll be really attractive, or I'll leave them because I won't be attracted to them anymore, and I'll want a partner who is into health. Mm, right? That feels, that gets perceived as a threat by unconscious. And so unconscious goes, eh, not doing it. We're not doing it. This is why, one of the reasons why people will say they want something and not do what it takes to get it. They're just not going to. I've experienced this in my own business where like I very much intend and have wanted to build out the product side. So the practice does quite well. It's very streamlined. It runs well with not a ton of effort. Obviously, it takes consistent effort, but it's not like I'm spending 40 hours a week doing admin things. But building that out is incredibly energy and labor intensive. Incredibly energy and labor intensive. So my unconscious has gone, nope, 
you're going to be too tired. You're too busy. You're going to work all the time and that's exhausting. You're, we're not doing it. It's too, it's too much. And overwhelm gets perceived as a threat. So this is probably one of the biggest reasons people, people's unconscious protects them. Because if you've listened to any of the other episodes, remember, you know, mind is always trying to help. Mind is always working for us. Sometimes the way that it works for us is kind of illogical, but the intention that mind has is always, always, always to work for us. Because what is mind's primary directive? Survival. If it's working against us, um, we would die. (laughs) So it's always working for us, but sometimes the way that it works for us is illogical because unconscious does not exist in logic. It is illogical. So it's like speaking English to a bird. Like the bird does not speak English. You can explain things all day long and the bird's just like, like it doesn't speak English. Okay. So like we had a turkey named Ruckus who I swear to God was put on this earth um, to, to be a Ruckus. Like that, that was her, that was her dream in life. And she took it very seriously. She did it well. I'm like, I can explain to Ruckus all day long while stealing my client's keys is a bad idea or, you know. She would steal keys a lot. That was the thing that she would do. Or like (laughs) jumping up on people's laps was a bad idea. And do you think Ruckus gave any fucks? Absolutely not. One, she doesn't even speak English. So it's essentially like your unconscious does not communicate with your conscious. So there's two levels of mind. They don't communicate with each other and they don't even know what the other one is doing. So if there is a process conflict or a product conflict, unconscious will absolutely not get on board. Now, how do we get unconscious on board? Great question. I'm glad you asked. You are so clever. We can do it a number of ways. You can literally ask, where's the conflict? Unconscious will tell you. You can also say, I want to start a business, but I'm afraid that. I promise you, you will come up with answers and then work through the answers that come up. Those things are literally handing you on a silver platter, the things to work through. You can also try doing RRT, which is what a lot of um, the work is based on. So you can do that at rapid resolution therapy. That would be RRT. Um, You can see a therapist about it. Like there's multiple things that you can do, but the way to discover, the way to like figure out where the conflict is, is to say, Where's the conflict? What is the conflict? I want to do this, but I'm afraid that X, Y, Z. And that kind of rolls, it doesn't roll into, but our next thing is language. So this is something, if you work with me, I am incredibly persnickety about language because what you say, your mind will make true. So I literally had a friend of mine tell me recently I'm the world's worst mom. And as soon as that came out of her mouth, I don't give a fuck what the else she said. I said, why would you say that out loud? Because I'm the world's worst mom. And I said, why would you say that out loud? Because what is go- what is mind going to make true? The fact that you are the world's worst mom. I said, if I said that, it would be poison. You saying it is the most poisonous you could make those words because mind will make true whatever you say. This is why I am are the two most powerful words together 
period. Period. What you say after I am, mind will make true. So for her to say, I'm the world's worst mom, I was like, stop fucking saying that. Stop saying that. You may feel like a bad mom, but even then is not helpful. And I said, okay, well, what happened? And they said, oh, well, you know, um, I I forgot to to drop off formula at my my daughter's daycare. And I said, okay, so you can just run them formula. That's that is problem solvable. I said, did you leave your kid in a hot car so they died? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay, so you're not the world's worst mom because you didn't forget your kid in the backseat of a car at Target, and three hours later you come out and your child's dead. Like, so you're not the world's worst mom. You're not injecting heroin into your child. You're not putting cigarette butts out on your child. You're not sexually assaulting your child or selling your child to men to sexually assault them, which by the way happens way more often than you, than any of us wanted to. Um, Cause it, I, I want it to happen zero and it happens more than that. So I'm like, you're literally not the world's worst mom. She said, well, I feel like it. I'm like, okay, but that's different. If you say, I feel like a bad mom is also toxic. Like literally as in it poisons you, not like toxic. Oh my God, dramatic how most people use it. But if you say, I am, mind will make it come true. And it will start making her fuck up. Because mind makes true whatever we say. Anything that comes after I am becomes an identity. And so mind goes, oh, well, that's our identity. Okay, well, I'm going to make that true. Because mind hates cognitive dissonance. This is why affirmations that say I am change behavior. This is why they work. Because if you say, I am wealthy, I am clever, I am good at problem solving, I'm bad at math, whatever you say will become true. I'm just not good at running a business. Oh, okay. Well, you're going to be bad at running a business. I'm just a terrible partner. Oh, well, guess what? This is a problem that I have with Alcoholics Anonymous because, and Narcotics Anonymous, where they have people say for the rest of their life that they're an alcoholic, they're an addict, but then they want people to not drink alcohol or use drugs. That doesn't work because whatever you say, mind will make true. So if you go around for the next 30 years saying, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, and you're not drinking, of course, mind is going to give you the impulse to drink because what does it want to make true? The words, I'm an alcoholic. So being incredibly incredibly particular about your language. I have a whole episode on this a few episodes ago. Um, it searched through. It was literally a few weeks ago. But I'll link it in the, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, incredibly particular about your language. Even if the only thing that you shift is what comes after I am. Because it, you will speak it into existence. So that is one of the biggest culprits of people not getting what they say they want. Now, I have a mantra, and I did this in a mantras episode that also was released a few weeks ago. I love that these things tie in. Very clever of me. Unintentional, but very clever. Um, where I say I always get what I want. Because even if I'm not getting what I say I want, because there's a conflict, I am getting what I want. If I say I want to run a marathon, but I don't want to train, so then I don't train, I always get what I want. Now, some people take that when I first say it. As me being like a spoiled brat, that's not it at all. What it means is my results make sense. Because if I'm not getting what I say I want, there's a conflict somewhere. And so 
resolving the conflict is the thing to do or changing language or any of the other things that we'll, we'll continue talking about. It might be a skills deficit. I don't know how to run a million dollar business because I don't currently run a million dollar business. Can I figure it out? Yeah, because I can figure anything out. I'm capable of figuring anything out. Do you see how that language makes a difference, right? Versus if I said, well, I don't know how because I can't do it. Well, well, I'm going to prove that right. So can I figure it out? Yeah, obviously I have a brain that works. It works pretty well. <laughs> so like, yeah, I can figure it out. It might be a skills deficit. Um, I work with a lot of couples and one partner will typically say like, you know, I want them to be able to talk about their emotions. I want them to do that. They just won't do it. And I'm like, okay, well, like, is it that they won't or is it that they can't? Because I can't imagine that the partner enjoys fighting. I can't imagine that the partner enjoys sitting there in silence um, during a heavy conversation, which then causes more conflict. Like that's not, that's not typical. Okay. Like it, it doesn't make sense. So it's probably literally just a skills deficit. They don't know how, they don't know how to talk about emotions, have um, clarifying conversations, how to set boundaries. Like I approach everything as a skills deficit because it's much more useful to me to approach it as a skills deficit because that's something I can control when I'm working with clients. I can teach them versus saying, well, they just don't want it. They just don't want to do it. Like clearly that is unhelpful because it shuts down the possibility of change. Now you see how language ties in, right? Oh, they just don't know. I can teach them versus they don't want to do it. It's hopeless. Mm -hmm. All of these things are related. So it might be a skills deficit. Maybe you don't know how to play the guitar, but you'd like to learn. Okay, like YouTube exists. You can find people who can help you is the point of looking at things as a skills deficit. You can learn. You can definitely teach old dogs new tricks. I don't know why they say that you can't. Perhaps those people were bad at training dogs is my thought. It might be your beliefs and your thoughts. So this is, again, tied to language, right? If you believe you can't do something, this is actually the thing that I see fucks people up the most. If you believe you can't do something, mind will make that true. It will fail you every time because if you believe you can't do something, mind hates to be wrong. That is a process conflict. I can't do it. Okay, well, you're right. If you believe you're not worthy of it, I'm not worthy of success. I'm not worthy of love, which, bleh, again, see that I am. And I just take worth completely off the table. Like it doesn't matter what we're worthy of. Some days we're worthy, some days we're not. Depends on who you ask. Doesn't matter. Completely useless concept. Do you desire it? That's enough. So beliefs and thoughts get in the way. Well, I could never be happy. Why not? Other people are happy. Why not you? So challenging beliefs and thoughts that get in the way. Now that the first step to that is being aware of your beliefs and your thoughts. Most people aren't because they don't know how to be. That's a skills deficit. You see how these things are interrelated, right? Um, sometimes it's that they've never had any modeling of it. Like I can't tell you how many people I work with who like literally don't know anyone in a happy relationship, who don't know anyone who's happy with their life, who don't know, don't know, who do doesn't, whatever, who have no <laughs> examples of someone who is enjoys their job who run just they just don't have examples of these things that they want so mind goes oh well it's not possible because 
it doesn't exist, but it does exist. They're just looking in the wrong places. If I'm looking at a cage of bunnies, I'm going to, and I've never, ever seen a rooster and someone shows me a picture of a rooster. I'm going to be like, no, that's fake. That's obviously fake. Like I've never seen a rooster. It doesn't exist. That's what mine does with examples like that. Right. So like if I have never been exposed to someone who's in a happy marriage, then I'm going to have a hard time believing that it's possible. So sometimes modeling is the problem. Not having a model for what they want is the problem to which I say, go find people where that's their normal. If you're in an entrepreneurship space, you'll hear this done is like, get in rooms with people where your level of success is their norm, where like your aspiration is their norm. This is one of the reasons I work with the business coaches that I work with is like, they're running million dollar businesses with ease, with integrity, with a just bang and back end, like get in rooms where your dream is their normal. Even if the room is following them on social media, even if the room is paying to get in the rooms that they're in. I follow a woman right now who, um, Cody Sanchez, who buys businesses. That's what she does. And she has like a multiple million dollar portfolio where she buys businesses. That's something I'm fairly interested in. So I get in the room with her as, and I follow her on social media. At some point I will likely decide to literally get in the room with her and pay for her 10,000 hours, pay for her expertise, like get in the room with people who live the life that you are dreaming of. Find examples. The more examples you have, the more evidence you have, the easier it is to believe, right? I've seen thousands of roosters. So it's very easy to believe roosters exist. Um, I've never seen a tiger in the wild. So my brain's like, is that a thing? I'm sure it is a thing, but I've never seen it. So evidence is valuable. Um, feelings that keep you in survival mode will keep you from getting what you want. Because remember, what is mine's primary directive? Survive survive, survive, survive now so that maybe you can thrive later. But it will put off thriving uh, forever. It will put off thriving forever. And you may know people who are like, oh, they're definitely in survival mode and they have been as long as I've known them and they will likely continue to be if they don't get support for it. Because it's pretty hard to get yourself out of that. I mean, it can definitely be done. But people don't know what they don't know, right? So they're always capped by the limits of their knowledge. Um, but again, this is where like you can learn, you can find examples of people who have what you desire. So fear, oh, I'm terrified of being successful. I'm terrified of putting myself out there. I'm terrified of looking stupid. I'm terrified of people judging me is one of the most common ones that I get to which I say, let them die mad, but you can die happy. Um, so fear puts you in survival mode because fear will shut down every other emotion. It is, it, it just becomes the priority when mind perceives a threat. So if mind perceives threat as the thing that you want, mind will of course keep you from getting it. If starting a business is the scariest thing you can imagine, but that's what you want, you will, you will not start a business because mind's primary directive is survive. So if it perceives that that's a threat, it's going to get you away from the threat. So fear, completely useless emotion. It's useful if you have a gun to your head. It's useful if you come across a bear in the wild. 
then yes, obviously fear is somewhat useful, but I would argue that being clear, being able to think is much more useful than fear. Although fear does have a purpose, but when we're reading inaccurately, when mind is perceiving a threat where there actually is no threat, because mind does not distinguish between starting a business being scary, getting into a relationship being scary, healing being scary, and the bear. Mind does not differentiate between those things. It perceives threat. It makes sure that you get away from threat. So it pulls all the blood from your head, pulls it into your legs so that you can run away quickly. It makes sense why people will avoid their dreams for the rest of their life because they're in survival mode. And survival mode has one directive, get away from threat. Make sense? So fear, completely useless. And you may say, okay, Amanda, how do you get rid of fear? Well, the other things that we've talked about make sense, are useful to do. Being aware of your language, um, being aware of where the conflict is, learning the skills, challenging beliefs and thoughts, finding examples of people living that life and not dying because that's what mind thought would happen is, oh, I'll get there and then I'll die. Uh, they didn't die, so probably you won't die. And understanding that fear has no place when there is no threat. So you can literally just tell yourself, there's no threat here. There's no threat here. I am fine. And then we can move on. Um, there may be actual, literal, systemic barriers. This is a problem I have with the coaching industry. Just as an aside, this is a problem I have with the coaching industry with people who are not, uh, how do I want to say that? People who spiritually bypass and who like to ignore actual systemic issues where they're like, it's all you. And so far, a lot of this episode has been, it's all you. Although our beliefs, our language, our thoughts, our skills are a product of how we grew up, are a product of our culture and our family unit and schooling and things like that. So it's not, it's definitely not all you. We are always co-creating and being influenced by environment. But a lot of people will ignore systemic barriers. They'll be like, you can do anything you put your mind to. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't mean it's easy, as easy for everyone. Like, obviously, being able-bodied helps because you're not having to navigate physical health symptoms. Being, having um, no mental health issues obviously makes it easier because you're not navigating mental health issues. So actual, it may be actual systemic barriers. You may be experiencing racism. You may be, um, you may be disabled. You may have a mental health struggle. You may not have the same, you may have a chronic health issue. You may not have the same access as someone who grew up with more privilege than you. You may not have the same money as someone who grew up with more financial privilege. Like these things matter. Your immigration status. Are you experiencing systemic oppression? Where were you born? What was your education? Like those are things that you have no control over, but you can influence, right? So no, you can't control systemic oppression, racism, homophobia, transphobia. Any of those things you cannot control. Now you do have some influence over your health, your mental health, um, money access. Again, you can thank God for social media because you can get into rooms with people. You can have a direct line with people who 40 years ago, we would never have had access to. So that's pretty incredible. 
Now, but that doesn't mean that we like ignore actual systemic literal barriers. It means that for some people, it is a different kind of work. And quite literally, it may be harder. So, okay, let's be honest about those things. Let's not ignore them or spiritually bypass them, which is ridiculous to do. And let's find a way around or through. So those may be things that are barriers for you. Barriers can be overcome, which is where it's useful to check process conflict, product conflict. Oh, if I make it out of my neighborhood, people are going to stop talking to me and think that I'm so uppity and I forgot them and I left them behind. That would be a product conflict. Um, You see this a lot with like athletes, um, athletes of color who grew up in a poor neighborhood who then, you know, become well-paid athletes. Like there can be some hate from the communities that they grew up in. Oh, well, they forgot about us. And it's like, that would be a product conflict, right? Oh, if I make it out, then I can't go home. Or if I do go home, people are going to have some shit to say. Okay. So we want to remove that conflict. Or maybe a process conflict. If I take on that amount of work, then I'll have a flare up and I won't be able to, literally won't be able to work. Like, okay, that's a process conflict. So then we can problem solve those. Uh, It may be the people in your life that are a barrier. I will tell you the number one barrier that I see is people's partners. If they're unsupportive, especially if they're irresponsible with money, uh, which again is a lack of skills and knowledge or a belief issue, um, if their partner is negative, if their partner refuses to grow, I can't tell you how often I see that, um, where like one partner is growing, learning, expanding, and the other partner digs their heels in and says, no, you can imagine how those relationships work out. They don't, right? So someone's partner, someone's family, someone's friends can be either such a, um, not buffer is not buffer, can be such a help or such a poison. So the people in your life help you or they poison you. There's, I mean, there's an in-between because there's an in-between for everything, but like, damn. Your partner, your family, your friends, the people that you exchange the most, mo- bleh, the most energy with, you become the most like. So if you're hanging out with people that party every weekend, go to work, complain, are in fucked up relationships, have no dreams, have no ambitions, they just want to get fucked up all the time, guess what you're going to be like? You're going to have a really hard time growing with a friend circle like that because like not necessarily attracts like although it does but what also happens is if you're the one person growing out of your entire group chat very likely you're going to trigger some wounds in those people and they're going to try and pull you back in so it can be quite lonely to grow especially if like you're outgrowing your friends or your family or your partner But growth will require shedding things that no longer serve you. Just like when a snake grows, it sheds its own old skin. This is exactly the same. So be intentional about the people that you surround yourself with. Again, get in the room with people where your dream is their normal. 
be aware of the language they use, the support or lack of support or outright sabotage they do. Be aware of how their beliefs impact your beliefs. All of these things are things to be aware of. So any or all of these things may be things that are currently holding you back. The good news is all of them can be overcome. So that's exciting. Yeah. So I hope that that was useful for you. I hope that it opened some doors in your brain and shed some light on some things where you're like, oh shit, <laughs> that's me. Like amazing. Good. Now you're aware we can change that. So holler to girl if you have questions um, or if you thought of another one. I don't, you know, I don't think of everything in the planet, although I am quite clever. Um, I hope that you have the most beautiful day. And what you learned or what you remembered, because people know these things, right? Recalibrate some things for you to be smoother, easier, lighter. Okay. Have the most lovely day. Bye.